for joining us at New Life Horizon Church. The service is already in progress. Hope you're being blessed. And this is Pastor Kirk Cameron. Take care. Hey, you might turn it up. You might want to turn it up. Let's do it. Everybody's asking why you always laugh when there is no reason to smile. To smile. church good morning blessed blessing blessing to those who are here blessing to those who are listening online we are so thankful for this opportunity to share the word to bring some comfort and bear with me while I adjust my mic and get myself situated Yes, it's an awesome day. This is the 1st of March, yes. 2020, and uh, we give God thanks. Amen. Uh, let us pray and continue in the worship. Father, we thank you so much. Lord, we thank you that, first of all, that you know us. You know the intricacies, you know our faults, you know our everything you know we are so known by you and we are thankful that you will reveal yourself to us at a different time and a different season until we bow our heart to you and say lord we want you to be our king our savior and everything so lord we welcome you again in our midst and we also ask for your help because we rely not on our strength. We rely not on our goodness. We don't even rely on even the things that we know are read in the Bible. But we rely on your grace and your fresh revelation every day. So Lord, go before us, go behind us and help us today as we continue to live this life with all the challenges that we'll face and we thank you that you are here. 
So bless the time, bless those who are hearing, bless those who are going to hear in the weeks to come with the technology and the thing that we had on the podcast. We, we thank you. We thank you for technology in which we can reach others and stream the, the content to those who are not even here or those who, are, who probably might not even see on this lifetime. So we thank you again and we ask for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Yes, as we continue the series, God, Work, and Worship, we are in part five, and this thing looks like it can go forever. Because we realize, when you look on the word work, and we look on the word worship, I just realize how close the word and the spelling is. So W-O-R-K is work, and worship is W-O-R, S-H-I-P, worship. So, and then God is in the midst. So let me do a quick wrap-up for those who weren't following along. So in this series, we're talking about the, the five things that we need to quit. The five things, and we talk about how the whole thing thought about with your best five. It was a game that people use as an icebreaker to say, what's your best, your top five? Your top five singers, your top five artists, or whatever era you are working in, or, you know. So the top five. So the top five was, hey, hold on one second, I'm getting a little feedback, one sec. Sorry about that. All right, so the top five. One was trying to please everyone. And then we explain that if we're pleasing God, we won't have the, the challenge of trying to please everyone. And the idea number two, fearing change. How everybody is going to face some life changes and how to adjust it. And how to know that God said he's, he's with you. He has not given us a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7. But of love and of a sound mind. And he says be careful for nothing but in everything. With prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving. Let your requests be known unto God. Not like he didn't know it. But he wants you to present it to him. And we see situations where. Jesus went to the blind man and the blind man was calling out to Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you want from me? The obvious was there that he couldn't see. But sometimes we call out to Jesus is not the thing that we want at that time. Because, you know, whatever we want, we want. But he said, that, may, that I may see. And Jesus granted him that wish. And then we talk about living in the past. That's number three. Living in the past. And how to overcome that idea of living in the past. We, we talked about somebody running a race. You're running forward. And if you look back, it will cause you not to propel as far as you should. So that you'll be having to catch up with persons running in the race. And you know that we are running in the race of life. And we know that life is going to be challenging. Jesus said it also that 
the only thing that we must be thankful for is that he is with us. And then we, we, we talk about the negative ideas of what living in the past can do. It can cause stress, depression, insomnia, anorexia, all the different eating um, disorders because we, we, we feel tired, we don't feel productive, and we're not working in our sweet spot. And then we, we got the comfort of what um, Isaiah 43 said. It said, verse 18, it says, Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. And now you shall see spring forth, and I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So, the Lord is so faithful that anything that he promised to do, he will do it. We are just mere participants in his scheme of things, you know. So he said, remember not the, the former thing, the things of, of the past. But look forward into the new, the new thing that he's doing. So that means we have to put down the old and continue with the new. And our text this morning, we're, we're at number four putting yourself down and I'm going to share briefly on this guy called Elijah but before I share I'm going to have um, the reading of first Kings 19 and please listen intently this is the reading of God's holy word our reading this morning comes from first Kings 19 and I'm reading from the NLT and it reads, when Ahab gone home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the, all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. <laughs> then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, 
the Lord said to him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by him, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And, sorry, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance at the cave. The entrance of the cave. And the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Then the Lord said to him, Go back the same way you came, and travel to the wilderness of, Dam and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to, to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to, the, to be king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphath, from the town of Abel-Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazael will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to to Baal or kissed him. So Elijah went out and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were twelve teams of oxen in the field, and Elijah was plowing with the twelfth team. Elisha was plowing with the twelfth team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, rather after, ran after Elijah and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my father and my mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elisha replied, Go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That was the reading of God's holy word. And the topic or the subtopic, um, remember the topic is God, work, and worship. And the subtopic here is putting yourself down. So as we can re remember the life of Elijah, the, this is a prophet who did many mighty acts for God. He was one who, one of the prophets that persons will, will be even want to be like. But if you notice in the end, he felt uh, a great sense of depression. But before I get into that um, text... There, um, there's a, a thought that came to me on Monday, and I shared it with some persons, and um, the thought that some persons 
aspire to do things for God. And they will do all these acts and these demonstrations of, of what we call church or, or in the Christian, you know, you know, we have certain terminologies that we used. And, um, but it, it came to me so strongly that it's not the idea that we, we know God, but it's the idea that he knows you. And um, there was instances where a person said to God, I think it's in Mark, where they were counting the things that they did for God. They said, have we not cast out demons? Have we not um, healed the sick? Have we not prophesied? And the Lord said to them, get away from me because I don't know you. And, uh, and it can be challenging to say that we are doing things of God and yet God is not in it. We, we can do the things that look so big and miraculous in terms of the earthquake, the storms, and it says that God was not in it. Then it came to the part where some guys saw Paul demonstrating and doing God's work. And they went and they tried to replicate it. So they went to persons to cast them out. And they said, in the name of Paul, we cast you out. And then the demon responded. And after they gave them a beating, <laughs> they said, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? So, and then I remember the conversation came by when we were talking to a, a fellow at work and we were talking about uh, an artist, you know, and I, I said to, I just said to them, I said, guess what? You know, we're going to take the beam out of our eyes first. You know, we're not going to judge what the artist is doing and they're trying to do something that look like church or they call it Sunday service. And I, and I said to the guy, first thing you notice, there's no word in that place. They have not been reading the word. They haven't been sharing from the word. They're just singing songs. Which is good. They're using their gift because we realize that God cannot be mocked. And any intention you, you're trying to mock God, it will be such a dreadful time. And secondly, I said, if, if they are really saved or transformed, we won't be having this discussion because we will know and I remember Shirley Caesar had a song that she sang when, when she was growing up. She and her brothers and sisters were playing church and they were carrying on. Uh, until one day, one day she said, Mama, 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 come. Something happened to Shirley. And she was being in, in, in God's spirit in, in a sense. And then the, mom, the mother came and saw her and said, No, this time she's not playing. The Lord actually get a hold of her. So uh, what they're doing, I say continue. Because guess what? There comes a moment when God will show up. And when God show up, it is going to be real. It is going to be a real experience. So the challenge is even for us to, to judge ourselves very soberly. To make sure whatever we're doing, we're doing for God. Not for any limelight. Not for anything to be esteemed or to be seen by others or for others to say, wow, uh, what a wonderful word, you know. Because we, we know that 
We can do all of these things. And sometimes persons even, this is how persons even get in trouble because they say, this person said that they're a man of God or they're a woman of God. Or how can they do this thing? But at that time, we can say the Lord wasn't with them when they committed that act. So there are two, um, two mindsets in the workplace. There is the sacred and the secular. That some persons believe if they are doing ministry full time, that is the most highest calling. And I, I tend not to believe that because guess what? Anywhere the Lord have you at that time and that season, that is the highest calling. So if you're, if you're working at a bank or you're working at a corporation, as long as you are representing him in the fullest that you know how to, with God's grace and blessing, that is the highest calling. Because some persons think that when you sell everything and you don't have nothing, yes, I am suffering for Christ. No. We are to do exactly what he tells us to do. So for those working at a place and they feel like they are the only one or they are the only one in that place and everybody there is a non-believer to their, you know, what they um, assume a non-believer is. If you are the only one there, then that means you just have a lot more work to do to demonstrate God's goodness. Because on, on a Sunday, most of those persons won't even be in church. So from the time Monday to Friday, your job is to display God's grace to them. The, you are probably the only God that they will see. So the, the, the task is very um, tremendous to make sure that you live responsible, to make sure that you are holding up God's emblem or, or God's banner in that place so that there is no doubt that you are a believer because if you are living amongst the, the ungodly, that light must bright, shine bright because we are in a, a state of darkness. So putting ourselves down. So we realize that this, this thing can happen to anybody. And um, God wants to encourage us. Not at this time, you know. That the time is so urgent that um, a lot of persons are being lost in, without him, which is it, it, uh, an eternity without God is, is hell. Not at this time for us to, to be thinking about not living where God has given us life. Not at this time. And we saw Elijah being a, a, a prophet that felt like he wanted to die. Just because he heard a threat from, from that lady Jezebel. This guy is a mighty man of God, with, with no doubt. Um, it said that there are times that he could actually be at one end and know exactly what's going on on the other end. I remember they did not have any Twitter. They did not have any Instagram. They didn't have any Facebook. 
They didn't have none of that, but he could see and declare things and things come to pass. Being a prophet of God. But we realize that God is not a God that is plain. You see, if you're not doing his work, um, next. And it's, it's a kind of hard thing to say, but God's work has to be um, accomplished. If he gives you a mandate to do something, and you're, if you're not doing it. Um, so, you see, if, if, if God tells you to, to sing unto him and you don't sing, then he will call the artist to sing. And as we mentioned the, the, the movie, The Passion of the Christ, that was one of the most sought-after movie that represented God in, in, you know, in, in terms of being on the big screen. But yet still, the movie was not brought by a believer. It was brought by just a regular guy who God said, hey, do this thing. So I, I am saying... Did God not speak to other persons to do that? I can say yes. But they came up with excuses. They came up with things, oh no, without the budget, no, we're going against Hollywood. But this guy took the chance by listening to God or, or thinking that what he heard. And he was able to raise the money on his own to produce this film. So you realize, in a sense, that we are replaceable. Because guess what? In the interest of time, a hundred years from now, we can say we won't be here. So what it is that we have to do at this time in terms of life, in terms of ministry? It is to be happy. Because guess what? The world is desperate right now for to see some kind of light. There are a lot of suicides. There are a lot of persons who feel like God don't love them. There are a lot of persons who feel um, this emptiness. There are lot, even in church, persons come to church every Sunday. They are even participating in ministry. They are even leading ministry, but yet still... They don't feel like living another day. They feel like, man, I, I can't bother, man. This thing is like meaningless. It's going around in circles. Because guess what? If we're not living authentic lives, that means we are, we are kind of pretending um, that we're doing this. And we, you only can pretend for so long before the, 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 the weight of everything comes down on you. So when we see um, Elijah being a man of God, um, hiding, he's actually hiding from the responsibility to, um, to go in and, and continue the work until an angel came to him and said, hey, um, what are you doing here? And we notice I, I could even equate that conversation to, to Adam in, in Eden. Where the Lord came and said, Adam, where are you? Are we, we, uh, um, I can believe God knew where he was, but that, that's a question which was kind of rhetorical. What are you doing here? And then um, 
he answered and you notice the answer was always like an excuse he said it, it is the woman you know the, the woman that you gave me so he's saying he's saying to God the person that you blessed me with or the, the job that you blessed me with it is, it is the same job that not, 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 not causing me to come to church or it is the same person that you blessed me with that they caused me to sin because I was following them. And you notice he said, because you listened to your wife. Not because you listened to me. So we realize the responsibility is to, is to listen to God. So he was hiding in a cave. And you know, a cave is, is a very dark place. It's not a place filled with light. He was there hungry. Because there is no food in that cave. That cave is, is not like a man cave. Where it's all decked out with music, food and all of that. It's a cave in a desert place. So he went there to die. Because he said it was in the wilderness. And um, he said, hey, eat some food. We're going on a journey. And the, the angel gave him the food. And it said that he ate the food and went back to sleep. <laughs> And we said, wow, this, remember, this is a very mighty man of God. If we, if we actually count all the miracles that this guy did, um, I, don't, I don't think other guys had the opportunity to, you know, what, which is written for him. But yet still he was depressed. He wasn't in the cave trying to seek God and say, Lord, show me. How can I get out of this depression? How can I um, lift myself up? So we realize even when we are in a place feeling depressed, there is somebody that we can that we can um, we can call upon. In our darkest moments, even when we um, we feel we feel like giving up, we know that there is somebody that is always there. The Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, his love is always there. Because, you see, when we are weak, he is strong. And in this life, we cannot live as if we, um, we have all strength, you know. And it's, it's a thing that the church suffer from, where the identity of being weak and, and not saying that they're feeling weak or they are afraid that they're going to be judged if they say, man, I feel weak, or man, man, I feel like giving up. There is actually no, no era for us to share that we're feeling that way and not be judged or, or scrutinized. Because sometimes if you tell a believer, an, a fellow believer, how you're feeling, they probably would curse you or tell you that, Man, you, have, you haven't been reading. They're going to give you a list of things that you're not doing. They're going to tell you, hey, you're probably um, sinning. You're probably doing something that you're not supposed to do. And how, how we know that? Because we saw Job and his friends doing the same, Job friends doing the same thing to him. They're, 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 they're saying, well, it must be something that you do, man. This thing cannot happen, happen to you like that. And we realize as long as we live in this life, we're going to be facing trials and testing. And the testing will come any moment. 
So as we, as we even think about even the, um, the virus going around right now, and um, I understand that the, the news media want to keep it down in terms of not telling the truth, or they, are not, they don't want to express to us what the real danger of this outbreak will do because they don't want, they don't want to cause panic. But I understand that this thing is dreadful. You see, you only can hide the truth for so long. You only can hide the truth for so long. And even though they're trying not to tell us the truth, what's going on, this thing is, 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 very, is very deadly. Somebody posted a, a thing on, um, I think it was Instagram. They said that approximately 15,000 persons um, were buried in a day and that the the cremation center was running 24-7 because they are trying to burn the bodies quickly um, because you know they don't want to bury the bodies because um, if it's a virus it might spread more so burning the body was a was a way of getting rid of all of the you know whatever the virus um, caused to spread but we believe that God is good and that God will protect us at the, in this time. We have to be faithful and to call upon him because we know others are going to look at us, uh, uh, at us crazy. Why are you so happy? Why do you have this joy and this sense of assurance? And we, can, we just basically say, hey, because we know that we are not here forever. This is not our home. This is a temporary spot. But while we are living here, we're going to make the best of it because we're going to continue in, in eternity with him. And we want to make sure that when we leave, we want to have a, a godly um, legacy. And um, there's a thought for even um, retirement. Like a thought came to me and said, wow, supposing that nobody could work for two, two weeks to a month, how long can we live from the, the monies that we have? And I said to myself, oh my God, I don't think I can live a week <laughs> of not working. And I said it, but I felt bad. I said, God, that's not good for, for me to confess that if I'm not working within a week, I'll probably be homeless. But then I realized, the Lord said to me now, okay, since you know that, what steps are you going to take to not let that be your reality? Because, see, we know that we can start from where we are. Based on what is revealed to us, we can start from where we are. So I said, okay, I need to cut back on certain things. I need to start to put money in different places. And uh, make sure that, because they say you're supposed to have six months of income, savings and in income in terms of money that you can draw from for six months and still be okay. So that is a plan that we need to set in place, that we'll be able to live. Because, you see, if this thing continues, if this disease continues, then... We, we understand that most of the companies will close down. 
And we know the first thing that companies do when they're closing down is to cut the staff. They cut the staff drastically. They, they don't even think twice. They lose this amount of money. First thing, we're cutting staff. Then after they cut the staff, then they cut locations. So if they have a thousand locations, they cut it to 500. And if it continues, then they cut it, cut it down till probably then they file bankruptcy and then, then they're out. And then persons are left out in the cold. So guess what? We realize if somebody, if we don't have God or don't have any relationship with God, not even for this case, but for life and godliness, that we, we need to return to him. Because it is mentioned that some persons only come to God when they are in trouble. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? The, um, he created some situations and it caused us to say, wow, we are thankful for the job that we hated. Because we want to see God in everything. We, we want to make sure that our eyes are open and we are not deceived. Because it, it is easy to feel like there is no hope. Because if you think about it, if we are working all these hours and all these days and we yet still can, cannot see the fruit of our, of our labor, um, it is definitely in vain. If we cannot see what we are working for, this is all meaningless. So we work how much years? 40, 50 years. And then we so-called retired. We are retired from the job. But guess what? We still have to continue to work because there is no income after retirement. So this is where we have to adjust our, our financial uh, responsibilities and and try to cut back on certain things, if all else possible. Because if we, we want to exchange our, our present for our future, so we want to make sure that we have something set aside for our future. And you know, most of us who are parents, and we are parents who are getting older, and um, they need help. So we, you can see the urgency to get things set, set up for them and even for us because we have to know that we can still provide and keep our responsibilities. But now in the face of all these pressures coming on, it can, it can be um, very discouraging. It can be. I mean, if we really think about if we're really honest, Working all these hours, working all these shifts and everything, and yet still we can't enjoy life. Is that the life that God wants us to live? That we get up on a Monday morning and we so dread going to that place of work? No. I think the Lord wants us to be happy in the sense of he's with us and we, we have concerns and he's going to address our concerns. Because, you see, even with, with Elijah, he still made provision for him. Elijah said he wants to stay here and die. And the Lord sent an angel to, um, to minister. But before that, he, he, when he was sitting in the wilderness, in verse 4, he was sitting under a juniper tree. 
and um, he requested for himself that he might die and said it is enough how much of us ever said it is enough he said Lord we can't take it no more so he said oh Lord take away my life for I, I am not, I'm not even better than my father's. I, I remember when, I w- when my grandma w- was living with us and she, will, she would have made that sentiment and she said, oh, I don't want to live anymore. I can't bother. You know, and I understand she had a um, couple strokes and she was in pain. And, but I said, grandma, do you know the Lord? And I realized she couldn't answer clearly, so I said, okay, she don't know. So I said, Grandma, would you want me to lead you to the Lord? And um, she said yes. And I thought she knew the Lord because that lady only sang um, gospel music. She only sang um, those old hymns, you know, those old, old, old rugged cross and oh, he touched me and all those songs. So I thought that the lady was saved. What is after the conversation? I know she wasn't. And I said, okay, Grandma, let me lead you to the Lord. And I got the, the awesome opportunity to, to lead her to the Lord. And I tell you, from, from that day forth, she wasn't asking to die anymore. She was singing as if she had seen Jesus right there in the room. The songs changed. It wasn't a, a song of torment, oh, Lord, take me. She was singing, oh Lord, how beautiful you are. How lovely for you to be in in my presence. And she sang and and she sang. And I tell you, to to have your family member do that is such an awesome testimony for even me. That when she felt like she was going to leave for real, she sent word for me to come and look for her. And I I went and... um, I sat in the room and I realized, man, I tell you, the place that they placed my grandma, it, it oh God, I don't want to get into that, you know, because you realize that sometimes the fam- some family members don't care for them, for them elders. They had her in a back area, in a, in a room that they, they built. And this is her son that she had that did that. But the son had his, his um, we call his wife parents now, his, um, his in-laws. They were living in a house furnished on his property. But he put his mother in a small danger room on the back of the house. I went into the room. I saw, I saw her on a cot. Um, she has lost a lot of weight. This lady was about 5'11", probably 130 pounds if so much. And she was like stick on bones. When I entered the room, she said, Mas Kirk, is that you? I said, yes, Grandma. Because my, 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 my heart dropped when I saw how, how bad she looked. I, I, I know that she, she couldn't look like that uh, when she was with me and my mom. And um, she said, come closer. And I tell you, when I saw her, man, I said, oh, my God. My eyes well up with tears. She was like skin and bones under the thin-looking sheet. 
them couldn't get a, a, a better sheet than that, man. But I said, all right. I go over and I, and I knelt down beside her. And she whispered to me, may God ever bless you for how you took care of me. And then I started to cry. And I said, no, Grandma, it was, a, it, it was indeed a good thing. And just like that, she passed on and she's in eternity. And uh, I sat in the room for about an hour and change. I didn't say anything. I just sat looking at her. And I said, oh God, thank you. Just when you see somebody living and pass on, it, it, it does something to you. That it makes you realize how short life is and how precious it, it is, you know. And she declared a blessing on me. And I, I'm so thankful that I, I won't even forget this that, that day. And um, after that, uh, I kind of told everybody, hey, grandma just passed. And I said, why you didn't tell us? I said, no, I just wanted to sit with her one last time. Because, see, when she was alive, I would sit with her. I said, I said grandma, tell me about the old times. And then she will be able to talk about how, you know, how they live in, how simple life was. And it, it was always so interesting. She had a lot of stories to tell about her life and living but she was so thankful for us taking care of her in, in that time you know and and I can't say it was easy because I felt like I missed a lot of my childhood <laughs> or the activities that that I thought was important you know friends say hey come Kirk let's play some football I said no I have to go home and, and take care of my, um, my grandma because it was my shift my mom will be there in the day and I'll take over in the evening when I come from work. Until it become too, um, too heavy for us and then we had to get a caregiver. But even still, we were still there with her until um, they moved her to country because she said she don't want to be, she don't want to die in, in, in the town. She wants to be in our country area and we kind of granted her that request. So we realize that this life is going to be challenging. We're going to have a lot of challenges. We're going to have a lot of things that we're going to question God about. But this is what the Lord wants to say. He wants us not to, to look back on it. He wants us to press forward. And I, um, I got some, some, some guidelines, some tips on how we can get out of this, you know. Um, the first one is your mistakes are a part of your learning. Um, anybody ever made a mistake? Yeah, it's, it's a part of learning. You will always make mistakes. It, it is better to, it says a righteous man may fall seven times, but the eighth time he will get up. So it's the idea of we know that we made a mistake, but we will continue. And if we can even think about um, Peter, who stood up and said, I will never deny you, Christ. And yeah, he could, he could have been very um, truthful in that scene. But the Lord said, guess what? The devil wants to sift you. And I'm praying for you. That whenever you get back up, that you'll, you will strengthen the believers. You'll strengthen them. But I don't think Peter understood what, what, what 
that meant until he actually failed. Until he actually denied Christ three times, then he said, wow, the reality of walking in your own strength. You know? So we, we know Peter was that kind of guy who was that way. He wanted to be the number one in, with the disciples. So sometimes I think he, he would have spoken out of turn. When he said to Jesus, no, you cannot die. And Jesus said to him, get away from me, Satan. Or get behind me, Satan. So he got a lot of rebuke openly in front of everybody. And I can imagine everybody would have been, wow, Peter got another rebuke. But he, he did not stop there. He, he continued because he realized he was wrong. So first thing, your mistakes are a part of your learning. Then the next thing to, to get over any depression or any feeling of putting yourself down, it says, do not compare yourself with others because you are not them. You have to accept who you are with your faults and all. So you see, we, we can get in trouble when we compare ourselves with others and, and we can say, oh, that person have a husband, that person have a house, that person have children, I don't have no husband, I don't have no house, I don't have no children, Oh, Lord, you look like you have forgotten me. Yeah, and, and we, we see that can happen a lot. Even when we think about the story with Hannah, where the other lady had more children than her and she had none. And she was so desperate. But we, we're not supposed to compare ourselves with others. That, that will really get you feel down. So you realize even social media, everybody's living this fake life. They only post the things to make people think that they're living this life. But it's not true. You know, the stories that they post are not true. And persons say that and persons feel bad. Uh, that person gets to travel every couple of months. I remember there's a guy on it and we say, wow, well, what kind of work that guy do? Because he's in, when, he, when he posts a picture, he's actually at the place. <laughs> So I was one to post pictures of you know anything I found on the internet and I post it. And he, he actually repost one and said, Kirk, I am here. And I'm like, oh my God, that, that is isn't that Amsterdam with the river and the thing with the bicycles? <laughs> he said, Yeah. <laughs> and he took the picture with him in the picture to show, say, I am here. And I'm like, oh my God, that's that's so awesome. <laughs> so imagine if I was thinking, oh, I'm get to do that. But that was his lifestyle, and he got the opportunity to do that. All right. Then the next thing we have to realize is that there is no right way to do anything. So we might think if you're cooking a food, cooking a meal, especially from Jamaica, we say you have to do it this way, you have to do it that way, you have to put this in first. Real and truly, there is no right way. How we end up doing it is because we saw our parents doing it. Our parents tell us this is how they do it, and they told us that their parents told them that this is how you do it. But what we believe is we can do it any other way. You know, people call it rice and peas. Other people call it peas and rice. It came out to be the same thing. And number four, it always says, 
Stand up for what you believe in, even if it's not popular. Even if it makes you unpopular. You are to stand up for your conviction because you're going to be challenged. Stand up for what you believe in. And number five, which is, this one is a hard one. It says, learn from people who criticize you. So when somebody criticizes you, there is a 1% truth in that, um, that analysis that they're giving you. And if you're able to be strong and look back, we can say, yes, there's a point that I need to work on. There's something that I need to, you know, to learn from in that situation. There, there, there's a lot of things that we can learn from, from persons, you know. They, they, there's something that they saw and they are telling us, probably not, they're not telling us in a loving way. Because somebody can be right, but how they tell you, it can be wrong. I know many persons like that, they want to tell you that there's something wrong with your hair or your hairstyle. But how they tell you, it, it can cause, it can cut you very deeply. So we are, we are supposed to learn from persons who criticize us. As hard as it is, it is a challenge. Accept your weakness, the weaknesses as features. Accept your weaknesses as features. Because we realize that you are not good at everything. And that means nobody is. <laughs> so we realize, thanks be to God, we are not good at everything. There's something that you're good at. And God has given you the blessing and the grace to do it. But to realize that your weakness is something that to keep you humble. We remember Paul when he had the, the issue. And he was crying out to God for relief, for God to remove it. And the Lord said, guess what? My grace is sufficient in your weakness. You see, when we have weakness, it causes us to call upon God for his strength. Because we realize we cannot walk this life alone as we think. And the next one is to look at your past as an adventurous biography. For anything that happened to you, your past is what brought you where you are right now. Your past has created this idea of a journey, even how bad it might look. Because the positive is, you are alive right now. And your past is in your past. And that is it, and we leave it at that. The next one is, do not underestimate your talent until you apply it a hundred times. So guess what? The person who criticizes you about a fault, if the right person was there to encourage you, you would have seen a different outcome. So case in point, in the, the idea of a relationship where if that relationship failed and you're in another one, being the same person with the same faults and the other person encourage you with the faults or encourage you with your shortcoming, how awesome the, outco the outcome would have been in the different relationship in where, you see, the enemy wants to count you down, but the Lord wants to lift you up. And if we continue to listen to the enemy, 
then we are be we're we are being we're gonna be the outcome of what he tells us we are. He's gonna tell us that we are no good, that we don't have any we don't have any talent, we don't have any gift, we, we are we are useless, and the worst thing of all, if you kill yourself, nobody will know. You are not counted, and that's not true. Because the Lord loves us and He cares for us. Even in the song that, that I read last week with um, that, what's her name? Celine Dion wrote, where he says, For all those times you stood by me, for all the truth that you made me see, for all the joy that you brought in my life, for all the wrong that you made right, for every dream you made come true, for all the love I found in you. I'll be ever thankful, Lord, because the way you love me. That was the way of the song, you know. It says, because the way you love me. So she wrote that song, and I can believe the Lord gave her uh, a very, you know, nice um, concept. And it says, you were my strength when I was weak. You were my voice when I couldn't speak. You were my eyes when I couldn't see. You saw the best that was inside of me. You lifted me up when I couldn't reach. You gave me faith because you believe. I am everything that I am because you love me. How many understand the love of God? The love of God will bring us when we feel down. The love of God will always be around. His love is a love that we, we, we care for so much. He will express his love when we have fear. Because his perfect love casts out all fear. So when we are in a dark place and we are feeling fearful or we are feeling like, like, like um, our, our prophet Elijah, Elijah being in a cave. And he felt like he was the only one. The Lord said, I have thousands who have not bowed their knee or even kissed the ring of Baal. But for that moment, he felt, woe is me. And you know what, what, what was significant in all of that? The Lord didn't even try to force him. He realized, okay, you don't want to go any further. He said, go, go ahead and anoint this king, anoint that king. And then he said, anoint Elisha to replace you. And he said, oh my God, it's like he didn't even see that the Lord is, was taking him out of the work. Because you see, whenever you have a mindset that you can't go on, um, God is such a gentleman that he won't force you. He was, he's going to help you, as you saw. He's going to feed you. He's going to send all kind of remarkless uh, um, miracles before you. But if you don't want going further, he said, okay. And he's, he's going to get somebody else. And that's it. God always have somebody else in mind if we don't want to carry on his work. So we understand it, it is a privilege to be where we are, to be at the workplace that we, we are uh, working, to be in the family that we're born in, to be here and to be alive it is a privilege so we are so thankful for God being that to us today 
And for those who are out there who feel like they are alone or they feel like they can't go on, you know, you can give us a call. We can pray for you. We can encourage you. We can tell you that you're not alone. And um, we want you to know that God loves you more than we can ever try. He has given us this opportunity to set this up to, to have a, a ministry or a church to, to be there for, for others, you know, to be our voice in this time because we know this time is going to be challenging. I, I don't think we, have, we haven't yet tasted of what this thing is and we have to be prepared. We can understand even if this thing continues we won't be able to go to uh, any football game. We won't, won't be able to go into any um, mass gathering. Like even churches will have all this big gathering. All of that is going to stop because if this thing is spreading as it is spreading, we have to be in isolation from it. And so it is. This is how the, how the love of God should spread. When I thought about how this thing is spreading, I said, wow, God... This is how your love should spread to all the world. You know, people all over the world are being affected at the same time. And the numbers are coming in that more persons are, get, are being infected and affected with this virus. I'm saying, oh God, this is a significant thing in terms of how we can look at it in the other end of. This is how your love should spread across the world. And Lord, we are so thankful for this opportunity here today to, um, to share your word and to, to encourage each other. Because, you see, we're going to be in a place where we're going to feel this way. We're going to feel isolated. And, you know, he, Elijah, Elijah was in a place feeling isolated after, being, after committing all these mighty acts. And um, he was there and... We want to make sure, Lord, that we are, we, we are there for each other. To share, to encourage, to, you know, to lift each other up. Because he said, even though as the day proceed, we are not supposed to forsake the assembling of each other. In some kind of way, with a text, with a joke, with a laugh, with a scripture. With something that will bring a smile to a person's face. And our mission today, as we think about Mission Impossible is to look out for somebody, look out for one person who we can encourage this week. One person. Say, Lord, show me this one person. There was a story about this, um, this man of God who he was being persecuted for his faith. And he was walking, he was riding through, through, um, between a town and nobody cursed him, nobody persecuted him. And he said, wow, 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 is everything so comfortable? He came off his horse and he prayed and said, Lord, please forgive me because I'm living a life of compromise because yet I'm here and, and I'm so comfortable. Somebody saw him praying and took a brick and threw at him and hit him. And he said, yes, Lord, thank you for answering my prayer. <laughs> And he went back on his oars feeling encouraged because, yes, he realized that they hate him because they hate the Lord. And so it is that we are, we are supposed to live in the workplace that the only reasons that they're supposed to hate you 
is because they hate the Lord. They hate that you are talking about Jesus all the time. Like everything that comes out of your mouth is something about God, something about Jesus. And they will hate and despise you. Be encouraged. You are in his will. Continue to lift yourself up, the Lord will say. Continue to count, count it all joy when you're faced with diverse testing. When you're tested for your faith, you are counting it all joy. And this, this is the challenge for, for us working in the workplace. Just to know that we are, no, we are not separate from, from the sacred. Even though we are working in a secular environment where persons are not believers, we know that it is still the Lord's will. We believe that we can live authentic life being pressured in a work situation. That we can live like godly people. And that we can represent him to the fullest and always give God strength. Give God praise for his strength in us. Because we are thankful that we are there at that time. And when we are promoted or we have gone to another location, we will continue. Because we know that whenever we leave this workplace and go to the next, there is a, a lot more challenges um, there for us. So Lord, thank you again for your word to us today. Thank you for your love. Thank you for, for using us to share and to be a blessing. And for those who are out there, you can give us a call. If there's something that you don't agree with, if there's something that I mentioned that you need some more information on, you can email us at newhorizonmin at gmail.com. And if you need prayer for anything, you can um, drop us a line at 469-333-333. 0397 because our will is for you to know that God is and he says where God is all is well so thank you again and be blessed be blessed knowing that we're going to have a wonderful week we're going to know that he is God and see you again God's will be blessed. I don't think that I can live no other way. 
Thank you for joining us as we depart. We pray that you'll be, you were blessed and touched in some way. Um, if you want to drop us a line or a testimony, you can do it at newhorizonmin at gmail.com. Or if you're in the Texas area, give us a shout. Telephone number 469-333-0300. You
Exactly. 